You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Before we get started with the episode, we have a new sponsor that we would like to tell you about. I'm very excited that they are joining House of L. It's BlueChew.com. That's right, BlueChew.com. And just so you don't have any preconceived notions, BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in a chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. If you're one of those guys that needs a little bit of extra confidence when it's time to have fun, you should go to BlueChew.com. Most guys don't want to talk about anything having to do with ED, and trust me, the folks over at BlueChew.com completely understand that. But the sexiest thing is to do something about ED. The sexiest thing is for you and your partner to have an active and fun sex life, and BlueChew.com can help you with that. You want your opportunities to count. Understand that with this, there are no embarrassing doctor's visits There's no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your front door. Even that, it's in a discreet package, so you don't have to worry about anyone getting into your business that doesn't need to be getting into your business. If you don't like swallowing pills, don't worry. They've got the Blue Chew tablets that are chewable. Get it? BlueChew.com. So if you find that you're lagging behind a little bit, you just don't have the same type of confidence that you used to, and you want to get back in the game, BlueChew.com is the way that you can do it. We've got something for you. If you use the promo code HOUSEOFL at checkout, just pay $5 shipping. That's it. That's BlueChew.com promo code HOUSEOFL to receive your first month for free. If you're in the market, if you need it, if you want to go back to having a good time and not having any of this stuff like on your head, BlueChew.com. And now, let's get down with the episode. Yo! Welcome into the House of L podcast, a bonus edition of the podcast this week. And it's because I wanted to do a little bit of college basketball. I really love basketball, as strange as it sounds, because look, my first love has always been baseball. And I covered football, so it's like it's like my first love was baseball. I married football, and then basketball is my chick on the side. Like that sounds awful. That's awful. But I love college basketball. Zach and I have been around the country calling college basketball games. I did play by play for the IHSA. It's pretty cool to see. One of the players that I called the state championship game for playing in the NCAA tournament. That was wild. But I love being around buckets and I love talking about college basketball. This weekend allows for a unique experience for the college basketball viewer. 
you have a Final Four that makes a lot of sense, like that is big on the marquee. College basketball starring Kansas and Villanova and North Carolina and Duke. That makes sense to everyone who's ever watched college basketball. The fun part of the tournament The part that we all are drawn to, the part that we really like, like, that's over. And it ended with St. Peter's, and it sucks because St. Peter's was a good story. But, man, the regional finals, woo, on Sunday looked like November games. They looked like those games where you're like, oh, here's the team that's going in for the what they call the blood money game, and that's what it looked like in both of them. But now we've got a Final Four. That's super interesting. And part of the reason that it's interesting is that we have the matchup that we've never seen before. North Carolina and Duke in the Final Four. With so much on the line, you have a first-year head coach in Hubert Davis. And then you have Coach K retiring. You have Sunrise and Sunset with these two programs. They hate each other. And the fan bases hate each other. So here's what I did. I reached out to my man, Dan Wiederer, and what you should do is go back to the episode I did with Dan a month ago where we talk about his career and the whole nine yards. But we talk about him covering North Carolina when they won their national championship in 2005. I'm sure Illini fans remember that, and I think you'll get a kick out of the fact that Dan went to the University of Illinois and then covered them in the national championship game. It's wild. He wrote a book called Blue Streak that's about that championship team. His first real journalistic job was covering Tobacco Road. He still got friends there. He still got ties there. And so I was like, man, let's talk. Because beyond him covering North Carolina, he also covered Duke, but specifically wrote a feature piece, a three-part feature piece on Coach K. So this guy's connected, man. Like, he understands this in a way that I know that I don't because I'm not a part of this rivalry. So I wanted to pick his brain. So that's what this episode is all about. Dan and I geeking out and the two of us talking about college basketball. If you like college basketball, you are going to enjoy this episode. I got Dan Wiederer on the phone right after he was done talking with George McCaskey. And if you're wondering, you're like, I, I love when Lawrence talks about the Bears. I love when Dan writes about the Bears. We're going to throw in a little bit of Bears at the end, okay? But if you're a college basketball fan, here we go. As someone who has covered Coach K and North Carolina, What's it like for you to see that these two teams are going to match up in the final four? Lawrence, I've had an adrenaline rush through the entire month of March in big part because it's such good theater, right? And when you think about my time on tobacco road, I know we've talked about it before. I spent seven seasons down there. I covered three national championship teams. And one of those stretches was North Carolina winning the national championship in 2009 and Duke the following year, answering with a national championship in 2010. And this rivalry always lives up to that with the theater and the excitement and and the entertainment value of it. And for years, the fans of that state 
and of those two schools have said, man, wouldn't it be insane if we ever met in a Final Four? I think it's collectively something like 38 collective Final Fours they've been to and only one other time have they been to the same Final Four and they didn't play in that Final Four because Duke upset UNLV in 91 in that, in that iconic semifinal and then Roy Williams then at Kansas upset Duke in the other semifinal and so it ended up being a Duke-Kansas final. Well, now in Coach K's last season, you have Tar Heels Blue Devils in New Orleans I believe that's the site of two North Carolina national championships playing. And I mean, the stakes could not be higher. The theater could not be higher. I think you can hear it in my voice. There's just an absolute excitement for what March gives us as sports fans. And this has lived up to every bit of that. Yeah, it, it has. And it's exciting to see it, this matchup. Like it, I, I was sitting there Saturday going or Sunday going, man, you know, the St. Peter's story would be fun. Yeah. But. North Carolina and Duke matching up again would also be a lot of fun considering what happened at the last game at Cameron. You've been in that pressure cooker that is Duke versus North Carolina at Cameron. When you saw the game go down that way, what were you thinking? Well, so there were two things that came to my mind. Number one, before the game even started, you know, I remember being in Cameron, different, different stage, different, you know, magnitude. But J.J. Reddick's senior night at Cameron was a similar emotional night for the people at Duke. This was a four-year senior as the player of the year, you know, nationally, playing in his final game in Cameron with, you know, the number one team in the country. And North Carolina came in there and upset them. And so in the back of your mind, you're saying, in this rivalry, there's always that potential because the other team, the Tar Heels, are going to come into that building jacked, you know, to ruin your night more than they've ever been jacked to ruin anyone else's night. And they did it to Reddick. And then they did it to Coach K on a much higher level. And you say, so this is this is possible. The craziest part about this, Lawrence, to me, is that, that that's like three weeks ago, right? Like it's like three and a half weeks ago, four weeks ago, whatever it is now. You have to do the math again and, and check the exact dates on it. But everything that's happened to those two programs in the time since that, you know, sort of seemed like a, a climactic night at Cameron has been storybook. And it's been theatrical. And it's had this whole, you know, just – evolution to it that has been so cool to then see both of these teams basically find their stride and be playing their best basketball going into a clash that will put one of them in the national championship game on Monday night. It's, it's, it's unreal for this to have unfolded the way it did. And I think you can make the argument that that game in Cameron did both teams a favor in putting them in position to then again, you know, create this rematch on, on the, on the, 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 the grandest stage in college basketball. I heard Bomani Jones talking about <laughs> the differences between Duke and, and Carolina fans and NC State fans and Wake Forest fans. Uh, you guys are probably in the area. He was probably doing local radio when you were covering the team, right? Yeah, Bo and I talked a lot back in those days. And, um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll let you finish your thought, and then I'll tell you one of my favorite Bomani quotes of all time. All right, great. So I'd love to know. I I have not spent a lot of time there. I've covered a couple of Bears Panthers games in in North Carolina. So I'm, I'm been in Charlotte, and that's about it. For people who aren't a part of this, how would you describe what it's like for the fan bases that are? They're on top of one another, right? Everywhere, and you you throw NC State into that mix too, because they're like the you know the lost stepbrother that that feels like they're always on the outside looking in on on all the fun right and, and you've got 
these three programs that are, are, you know, when I was covering the ACC back then, I could go to Friday availability at all three schools, you know, within like a three hour span, you're just, okay, I'm going to hit NC state at 11, swing over to Carolina at one Duke at three 30. And all of a sudden you you know, you've hit three prominent ACC schools in a three hour span. And that is just the, the fabric of that landscape down there. Everyone is on top of each other. It's all so close. And so your neighbors don't always root for the same school as you do, right? <laughs> the, the people on that block may be flying different flags from, you know, the, the, their, their porch than you are. And so it creates an intensity. It creates a fun. Uh, it, it creates a hostility at times that it, it, it's absolutely alluring, in my opinion. And to have been sort of this Midwesterner dropped in as an outsider and had the, the opportunity to to sort of observe that as an objective outsider was really, really satisfying, really, really fulfilling because it, it really is, it's ever present and it's 365 days a year. And it's a basketball loving state that, that, you know, savors these kinds of storybook moments. And, and they hit another one Saturday night. Yeah, man. Like, like, like it's, it's just so strange. Cause there, there isn't an equivalent. Maybe Illinois, Mizzou, Maybe like there isn't really an equivalent for those of us that live in Chicago when it comes to college basketball. I think the pro rivalries, yeah, there's been plenty of them. But for college basketball, there's there's almost like this extra extra fervor because you are dealing with a a majority of people that are fans are between the ages of 18 and 22. Right. And so then the other thing that, that comes with this, right, we talk Bears Packers in our market all the time. Well, what has happened in Bears Packers? It's been one sided forever. I just told you an incident where one program won a national championship one year and the following year, its rival answered with a national championship. Can you imagine if the Bears and Packers traded Super Bowls in back to back years, how much that would elevate the stakes of everything that goes on in that rivalry? And so here you have this situation where, where these teams both achieve on the highest level possible of the sport. And the seesaw goes back and forth so often that it just creates an extra level of everything to everything. I mean, listen, North Carolina two months ago was thought to be on the outside looking into the NCAA tournament, right? People were saying maybe Hubert wasn't the right hire there. Maybe they're destined for the NIT in the first year post-Roy. And now all of a sudden they go into New Orleans this weekend saying, we're playing as good a basketball as any team in the NCAA tournament has played going into the Final Four in 15 years, right? And we could cut down the nets on Monday night and, and sing one shining moment and our story could be rewritten from what people had it written as in, in January. And then you've got Duke, obviously, trying to write the ultimate storybook ending to the ultimate coaching career of an iconic coach whose accomplishments will never even come close to being matched. So what did you think when they hired Hubert Davis to be, to be the head coach? Hubert was not on the staff when I was covering the program. And so Hubert, I think still at that time was doing TV was with ESPN. And so I didn't know a lot about Hubert, right? Obviously, you know, his playing career at Carolina, you know what he did in the pros, but I didn't know enough about his leadership style to have a informed opinion on where it would lead, right? You always know there's going to be transition when an all-time great steps away. And Duke's going to experience that next year. I did cover all of John Shire's college career in Durham. And I know a lot about who John Shire is as a kid who's lived, as we've talked about before, the absolute basketball fairy tale for a you know, kid from the, the Northwest suburbs of Chicago and all the things that he's been able to accomplish. Uh, Hubert's hiring was one of those, just wait and see. Let's see how, how quickly this transition can be made. If you remember, you know, Dean retires, surprisingly. Uh, I think that was 1997. And the following year, Bill Guthridge 
leads North Carolina to a final four. Well, you've got a similar situation here where something in the program allows you to not hit as many potholes as, as other schools and other programs might hit. Right. And so it's been cool to kind of watch them evolve. And as I've been saying all month, the, the most beautiful thing about college basketball compared with college football is it allows a team to struggle and evolve and grow and develop and still be in contention at the end to make their run and state their case on why they deserve to be a champion. North Carolina is a prime example of how that's been done. And you have to credit Hubert for, for, for keeping that team believing in the way that they believe. I, I, I got to give him credit because in watching the game versus Baylor, I felt like even though they won, he got outcoached. His guys didn't seem ready for a press, and just inbounding the ball <laughs> became problematic. Watching them inbound the ball into the corner in the backcourt, not understanding yeah. they were going to get trapped. I'm like, what's Hubert Davis doing? How have they taken that experience against Baylor and learned from it and now find themselves two wins away from a national championship? Lawrence, that was like clinic tape to show to like a junior high team on all the things you shouldn't do when you're being pressured, right? Yes. You mentioned it like they would just dribble into traps and then try to throw the ball off their leg. And a lot of times they'd miss and Baylor would turn it into a layup. And in eight minute time, you know, a 25 point lead became an overtime game. And then for some reason, Scott Drew, after erasing 25 points with a press, decided not to press in overtime. And I said, what the heck is going on here? How do you erase that deficit and not do anything with it going forward. I would hope that the coaching staff at Duke has figured out a way for a six minute span on Saturday to just drop in a press and see if it works and see if they can steal seven, nine points right on a run by, by, by challenging that weakness that Carolina clearly showed you give Carolina a lot of credit for finding themselves in overtime and steadying themselves with one of their best players ejected in Brady Manic in, in, in having the mental uh, fortitude to overcome that that deep disappointment and, and, and get themselves on to the survive and advance next round and to, to overcome that. And so that's one of the beautiful things about March, right? And, and I'll apply this to Duke as well, is it allows you to take experiences and apply them quickly to the next experience. I thought I was stunned when Duke lost the ACC tournament final to Virginia Tech, given what they had experienced a week earlier at Cameron against North Carolina in Coach K's final home game. And I was like, man, they're going to win the ACC tournament. And they're going to make a statement that they're ready. And they lost. And then I watched the entirety of Coach K's postgame press conference. And I could see it in his eyes and hear it in his voice and tell by the things he was saying that he thought this was the ultimate valuable experience for a young team that's never really experienced March to understand, guys, over the next two weeks, we're going to play three or four games that are just like this. They're going to require you to find an extra level deep down in you when you're down five against Michigan State, you're going to have to find something that you didn't know you had to keep your season going. When you're playing UCLA, it's going to be close late in the game. You're going to have to find something to, to, you know, to, to, to make that stretch in the second half to give yourself some cushion, to be able to do what they did in the Elite Eight. That's a, a, an example of a team that learns from his experience. It's one of the things that I loved about covering Coach K is he always used that ACC tournament format as a way to teach his players about pursuing championship moments and all that it took. And you can argue on whether that's a, a risky strategy because of the mental and, and physical and emotional fuel you spend on a conference tournament weekend to learn those lessons. Well, you look at this team and you say, boy, they turned those lessons into a run over really eight days, four games in eight days that they played that now puts them in the final four, now puts them in position to climb the ladder one more time, get out the scissors, clip down those nets. And if that happens on Monday night, you talk about 
sort of that Jordan-esque finish, right? <laughs> to go out as the GOAT with a championship in that way, it would, be, it would be storybook for that program. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. As I've told you, BlueChew.com has become one of the sponsors here at House of Bell. And you're like, Lawrence, what's Blue Chew? Well, look, if you're a man that's been dealing with some of the issues of not having enough fun or not having enough confidence in the bedroom, BlueChew.com can help you out in that regard. Why? Because they've got a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in a chewable form. Get it? It's Blue Chew. So if you want to get back in the bedroom and you want to bring some confidence to the table with you, BlueChew.com. And right now we are offering a special deal specifically for House of L listeners. Try BlueChew free when you use the promo code House of L at checkout. All you're going to pay is $5 in shipping. That's BlueChew.com promo code House of L to receive your first month free. They deliver it. It's discreetly delivered so that people are not in your business that you don't want in your business. And they've got chewable there. It's ready to go. It's licensed. Medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. So do it. Blue it, chew it, and do it. I just made that up. Blue Chew going to give me extra money for that? I don't know. BlueChew.com. Free trial. If you use the promo code House of L, go to bluechew.com. And now, on with the rest of the pod. Let's stay with Duke for a second. You brought up like how they've been able to <laughs> to to work through some of these issues and using the the ACC tournament as a way to do it once they got into the NCAA tournament, what's been the thing that's impressed you most about what you've seen from them? I mean, I, I just think it's the ability to meet the moment. Right. And, and in college, it's one of the coolest things that happens, right? Because you've got young kids that are experiencing certain levels of pressure for the first time. Right. And have never been on stages. It's not like that in the NBA. Most of those guys have, have gone through things in their basketball lives that, that prepare them for things like that. These kids are, are learning about themselves every day with every practice, with every opponent, with every preparation, with every game. And so just to see them have that, that ability to have not met the moment, at Cameron against Carolina to have not met the moment on the final you know, night of the ACC tournament to find something in a game against Michigan state that look, you're down five in the second half. And, and, and if you lose that game and coach K's final season ends with a round of 32 loss, the whole world laughs at you for 25 years. Uh, and that's the way that the goat goes out. Instead, you find something, you win that game and then you go through a couple more wins and all of a sudden you're playing in the final four and the entire narrative of the entire season changes, right? Based on a, a six or seven minute span in the pressure cooker of March on the stage of the NCAA tournament. That's why, in my opinion, 
there's absolutely nothing in sports that's like the NCAA tournament in terms of the ability to to change directions of history and change directions of narratives and change directions of how we do things and, and to watch Duke go through all of that again right in the month of March you could make a, a five-part documentary about everything that team has experienced in the last 29 days and it would be truly captivating when I look at the coaches that are here when I look at the programs they're in this <laughs> final four I, I spent a decade doing Big East basketball so seeing Jay Wright here is not a surprise to me, and I don't even think this is close to one of his best rosters. I think he's an amazing coach. Obviously, Kansas gets a ton of talent, and I think Bill Self's done a pretty good job with this team this year of them not falling on their face. We've talked about Uber Davis, and we've talked about Coach K and what they've done. I think we dream about the, the upset, like St. Peter's would have been a lot of fun, Getting here and seeing great programs in the Final Four, it's a pretty awesome thing to be able to turn on the TV on Saturday night and enjoy it. I'm 100% in agreement with that. I always said, you know, before covering it, while covering it, after covering it, that the NCAA tournament was, you know, was about the Cinderella stories for the first two weeks, right? You want those moments. You want those, those breakthrough stories like St. Peter's. You want to feel those kids highs and, and watch them take on giants and, 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 and knocks them down. But when you get to the final weekend, you want a truly worthy champion, right? You want a great team that is well coached, that has stars, that has a chance. And so to have these four, you know, established prominent prestigious programs playing on Saturday night, I could not be any more excited for my viewing experience on Saturday night. I still have to convince my mom this weekend to take the kids so that I can be <laughs> undistracted and potentially at a bar somewhere watching these games. But like, I want, I want my Saturday night free and to myself to, to, ind you know, indulge in these games. However, I see fit. All right. I got two more things for you. One, you promised me a Bomani story. I've got, I've got it pulled up. I've got the quote pulled up because in 2000, I think we've talked about this previously in 2000, late 2010, I wrote a, a three-part profile on coach K and one of the, the, the parts, the second part was kind of about why all the hate, right? Why all the love and why all the hate? Is there sort of these, these polarizing forces that work off one another? And then people say, oh, well, Duke wins too much. And that's why people hate him. And my counter argument to that was, well, North Carolina wins a lot. And there's not anywhere near the same level of vitriol for Roy Williams as there is for Coach K. Tom Izzo wins a lot. There's not anywhere near the same level of vitriol for Tom Izzo as there is for Coach K. And so Bomani and I spent a you know, couple hours trying to sound this out, a formal interview, just talking back and forth. And I'm going to read you the quote. And, and, and Bomani's point was that, that Duke, from the mid-'80s when Coach K was on his rise till, till they won those multiple championships in a row in the 90s, what, they sort of sold themselves um, creating that brand, right? And, and the brand was we do everything right. We do everything to a high standard. We do everything better than other programs. And, it, and, and he called it sort of the teacher's pet right that they had come up with and here's the Bomani quote that I always loved he said nobody likes the kid who does everything right and that's what they're selling it was good for business and they wrote along with that but if you're going to sell the perfect image you have to expect the backlash if you want to be the kid in the front of the room with your hand raised high while you're shining up the apple for the teacher then fine but don't expect to be liked I'm not saying you can't do your best and pay attention in class but it might be in your best interest to move a couple of rows back. <laughs> That's a great quote. He, I, I, don't know if, I don't know if you've seen his show Game Theory yet. I have not. I've got a DVR. All right. You got to check out the first episode because he does a whole section on Coach K. 
Okay. All uh, right. That, so, so I mean, I'm a hundred percent appointment viewing for that. All right. So check that out. I had him on a couple of weeks ago, and it was great to talk about the the this. And you of all people will really, really appreciate the way that he breaks it down. How delicious it, would it be for North Carolina to win Saturday? So. Here's here's the fear of people in the North Carolina world, right? I I don't know if you know Jonathan Jones who covers the NFL oh, for yeah. CBS Sports, but but he's down here at the owners' meetings in Palm Beach, and I was saying, look, man, like Saturday night is pretty cool, and he goes, man, this is the last thing we wanted because we danced all over Coach K's grave after we beat him in his final game at Cameron Indoor Stadium, and it was like that's the last laugh. See you, Coach K. We'll never see you again. There's no chance we're meeting in the NCAA tournament. Ha ha ha. We got the last laugh. The fear for folks in Carolina is that Duke's going to come back, get revenge for that win, you know, win by six to eight points and say, oh, you really got the last laugh? Sorry, we're going to go play on championship Monday. And so that's this fear that, that exists now for Carolina people in this moment that should be so exhilarating for them with all they've accomplished this month. For them to do it again, oh my goodness. It would be the ultimate trump card in the rivalry. It would be the ultimate memory. It would be the ultimate milestone. And that's why the stakes of Saturday night's game are so incredibly intense. I can't imagine being on the Duke campus on Saturday night. I can't imagine being on, on Franklin Street and Chapel Hill Saturday night. Win or lose, the emotions in those corners and those pockets of, of that portion of Tobacco Road are going to be wild. It's going to be must, you know, view surveillance camera footage, right? Like you're going to see these shots of, of bonfires being lit in celebration of, of you know, depression in, uh, on one of these campuses. It's going to be truly, truly theatrical, as I said, and it's just – it's amazing if Carolina pulls off a double upset, you know, in, in a month's span of spoiling Coach K's send-off party twice. I don't know how you top that in any way, shape, or form, other than going on Monday and beating either Villanova or Kansas and saying, "Hey, we got ourselves another title as well." The people who are listening to this episode of the podcast are looking at it, going, "Wait, these are two of my favorite <laughs> Bears guys. Am I not going to get any Bears?" All right, I'll ask one Bears <laughs> question. You're down there. You heard the general manager and, and the, the chairman speak. What was interesting from what they had to say? Well, I'll just give you a big picture view of their big picture view. And I think there's an understanding from the new general manager, Ryan Poles, and the new coach, Matt Eberflus, that this team is not positioned to contend for anything meaningful soon. right? And so what you have to do is, is tailor your actions accordingly. If it means that somebody comes knocking on your door and says, hey, we're willing to trade for Khalil Mack, and you say, Hey, Matt, I know you came to Chicago because you wanted to coach high-level defense and we've got a high-level player in Khalil Mack that would be great to play in your system. Well, guess what? We're going to trade him because in the long-term interest of what we're trying to build, we need to start adding players for future rosters and not being concentrating on competing at the highest level in 2022. And so I think there's a, a sobering realization from inside the building at House Hall that this is going to be a long, tedious process and it's going to be unsatisfying for fans in 2022. It's going to be hard to live through in the short term, but I think there's a healthy vision here that was probably needed by the previous regime a couple of years ago to understand where exactly you were in terms of actual contention and tailor your actions accordingly. And I think that's, that's come through. Now, listen, like that patience that Ryan Poles is, is exhibiting and stressing, it's going to be tested when you go five and 12, it's going to be tested when the fan bases say, say, look, like we're not going to give you as much rope as we've given the previous few guys, because we're sick of failing. We're sick of restarting. And so that's a dynamic he's going to have to deal with up the road. Out of the gates, I think there's an understanding here that 2022 has to be a year about building Justin Fields up, making sure he's pointing in the right direction, but then also making all sorts of decisions that position your future rosters 
to be sustainable, succeeding teams rather than worrying about trying to get an extra win or two out of the 2022 season. I know that we talked about this a few weeks ago, but I, I asked polls to be more you know, transparent, and I've been impressed. I've been impressed that he seems to give as much as any general manager is going to give to the public, and that's all that anyone ever wanted. It's early, and I said this elsewhere, that, that, that you have to kind of let that evolve and figure out whether that's a first-time GM still trying to learn what he can say and what he shouldn't say, and we'll see how that evolves with Ryan. I'm hopeful that he remains direct, that he remains honest, that he remains frank. And to your point, when you had him on after he was hired, hopefully he remains available. And, and hopefully he remains available at times where he doesn't necessarily want to remain available, but understands that it's in the best interest of the organization and in the best interest of the fan base that supports him to get a message out, to convey a vision, to be able to articulate what direction the franchise is headed. If he's able to do those things on a consistent basis while building a team that, look, he comes from Kansas City. He's seen uh, an organization that knows how to be in the playoffs every year and go deep in the playoffs every year. He understands what that looks like. Hopefully he can bring that to Chicago because, as you and I have talked about, 1988, the last time the Bears have had three consecutive winning seasons, that is embarrassing. It has to change, and maybe this is the guy that will help him do it. Sir, I appreciate your time as per usual. I know that you are down there now. You, After you've done writing all of your stories and your media responsibilities, you get to have a little bit of fun in the sunshine. So go have fun in the sunshine while the sun is still up. And uh, thank you for talking college buckets with me. It's warm. The sun is setting. There's a bourbon waiting for me somewhere. This was a, a fantastic conversation. And as I said, my God, try to check in on my pulse Saturday night sometime in the middle of the the evening and see where I'm at with that with that Duke Carolina tilt. I love it, man. Be well. I'll talk to you soon, okay? Thank you, man. Later. That right there is Dan Wiederer. He's so great. I love that I hit him up and, and I said, man, we got to talk. We got to talk. And the reason that we have to talk is because this guy covered college basketball for a long time. I know that it's bizarre that Two voices that you listen to and one that you read are talking about college basketball. But the reason that we're doing that is because he has experience. Like, he covered Tobacco Road. And I have some experience. I I don't like to toot my own horn because it wasn't like I was getting that Jim Nance, that Tony Romo money, but I did some play-by-play of college basketball, and I really, really like it. I'd love to do some more. I, I've been thinking about that. I, I'd like to get back into it. i got to figure out how, but I I did the Big East for 10 years, and it was fun. But Dan literally wrote a book on this rivalry and on North Carolina. You should go pick it up. It's called Blue Streak, the highs, lows, and behind-the-scenes hijinks of a national champion. He also wrote a three-part series on Mike Krzyzewski. You can go search for that, and you'll get it, and it's, and it's all good. But I thank him sincerely for joining us. That, that, that right there, that's the sauce. That's right. That's the sauce. Aurelio's, they are now a sponsor of this podcast. And I know this. Like If you have a young person that is looking to, to do some work, make, maybe make a, some extra money, you should go to Aurelio's. They're, any of the, the the locations, they're hiring. And it's a good place where they're going to treat you really well. And I know that that the, the people over there would really enjoy it. 
And I'm glad that they're a sponsor of the podcast because I love their pizza. My order? So my order is, I do, I, I try to do a little, but they won't let me when I go over there. I get a small, I get half of it pepperoni, and half of it pepperoni and sausage. Woo! Fam, it's so good. It's the sauce. That'll do it for this episode. Is impromptu. I wasn't expecting to do an episode of the podcast midweek. But when Dan told me that he was up for it, I was like, hell yeah, let's do this. So go get his book, Blue Streak, the highs and lows and behind the scenes hijinks of a national champion. I'm so happy that he was available. I will talk to you next time. Enjoy the games. Peace. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.